Hello and welcome to Broadcasts Talking TV. I'm Peter White. Coming to you this week from the Edinburgh International Television Festival, a special trio of delegates from around the UK television industry is here to tell us what's hot and what's not at the event, including thoughts on Vice Media's bearded and blackjack winning Chief Executive Shane Smith's McTaggart, plus Broadcast Editor Chris Curtis tells us how this year stacks up to previous festivals. That's all coming up. And joining us today on Broadcast Talking TV is Jeff Ford, the Managing Director of Fox UK and Africa, and Jane Turton, the Managing Director of All Three Media, and Rod Henwood, who is the Chief Executive of Banerjee UK. And it's not Africa, by the way. It's only just MDUK. My Africa part comes from the content development bit. Just because Greg Davis takes the piss out of me, it doesn't mean you have to as well. As you described on your Taskmaster uh, appearance the other day, Jeff, uh, before we kick off, why don't we, uh, why don't we ask you a little bit about that? How, how was it being, uh, being asked to do those challenges? It was a horrible experience, really. No, I, no to, to be honest, it was really nice. I, I, I enjoyed every, every moment of it. Sometimes, you know, look, this... We take ourselves a bit too seriously at times, and, and I don't think I've ever really done that. But uh, So to be able to just go out there, try and do my best, but also have a bit of fun in the, in the, uh, in the Taskmaster session was great. And you know, having Greg and Alex Horn just you know, going at me because I'm an old person uh, wasn't, particularly, uh, wasn't particularly right, I didn't think. You and proved uh, that you knew a lot about television, television although some of the shows were, were not quite as recent as, as others. I think Beretta was a very good show in the 1960s, and it remained so. I think there's only about three episodes, but there you go. Yeah, they, they said that they took an average of how old my sh- the shows I mentioned were, and the, the, the average was 1982. There we go. There we go. Uh, Jane, who was probably just a child in 1982, uh, how is Edinburgh for you? How, uh, how have you found the first uh, 24 hours? Yeah, so it's good. I saw Shane Smith, um, just seen him again. Um, went to some, a really good session this morning about drama. And then the debate mate session, which was again to that theme of old and young and how do we get more young people into television and that was interesting. Uh, it was actually quite inspiring. Great. Um, no, we will so ab- good. Thank absolutely you. talk about the, uh, the age uh, issue, which has been, been a, a major point here at, at Edinburgh. And, and finally, we have Rod Henwood. Uh, Rod, how, how about you? How's your, uh, you said you haven't been for a few years and it's nice to come back. Uh, yes, very much so. And they, they were good. They've all been pretty good sparky sessions. Um, Shane Smith, thought-provoking, not that coherent, but very thought-provoking. And um, a really good feisty session between him and uh, Jay on stage. Uh, I went to the leadership debate, or the leader, leaders debate, which uh, had um, the most powerful buyers in British television showing why they're in their place. And like Jane, I found the, um, the drama session really fantastic actually a whole load of good news stories and some very good uh, perspectives from a you know a uk success story well look let's start with shane smith he's been causing the uh, the most chatter uh, up here and i think uh, we have a clip of uh, of shane in action media today is like a private club it's so closed that most young people feel completely disenfranchised you have to hand it over to the kids Young people have to shoot it, they have to cut it, they have to host it, they have to do it all. There's a language, there's a tonality, and you can't fake it. Cartoons 
are made to sell cereal. They have the most sophisticated bullshit detector in history. And the only way to circumvent that bullshit detector is to not bullshit. Danny Fenton, CEO, Zigzag Productions. I found the McTaggart slightly underwhelming. I thought it was a bit of a loud-sounding nothing. And obviously, he's a bit of a showman. Clearly, he likes to appear in his own shows. And he's been very successful in his own right. But I didn't really feel there was anything that he said that we didn't know before. I, I believe he's a big gambler. And uh, obviously, giving 10 million to a 23-year-old to go out and make a film is a big gamble. And speaking from previous experience, when you give people too much money too soon, it normally uh, affects their performance. <laughs> I'm Paul Heaney. I'm CEO of TCB Media Rights, a factual distributor. I'm being honest, this is me talking, not my company talking. He has such a great opportunity to talk about the US world and how that might impact on the rest of the world, but it lost its way. There was so much talk about you know, Netflix being bought by Apple. I thought, wow, yeah, this is all the sort of stuff that is, makes people sit up and take notice. And I felt, okay, I feel panicked now. I thought, shit, I better go and close my Netflix deal, otherwise things are going to change. The shifting sands, the tectonic plates, everything's going to move. Then it lost its way. Maybe he'd been drinking too much. I'm Kate Beale, I run Woodcut Media, and I have mixed feelings about the McTaggart. I feel it was a speech of two halves. Um, I think the first half I learned a lot. Um, it made me think about business, it made me consider a landscape in which two companies might run the whole of the media landscape in the world, which I think is a worthwhile thing to um, talk about. The second half was a rallying call for us as producers to make content that matters. Shane Smith telling us actually you can make money out of making content that matters. Whether that's true, I, I am not 100% sure. I think he's clearly a man with talent and vision and an excellent business. It's whether we as an industry are prepared to take the risk to see if we can follow that lead. Yeah, I'm Harry Marshall, Icon Films, The McTaggart. Uh, Shane Smith, I mean, extraordinarily charismatic. Come on, Scotland! Um, and a very good accent. However, I didn't think he was telling us anything we didn't know. I mean, it might be astonishing in the uh, US or in Canada, perhaps, that um, making films about climate change or female genital mutilation are things that uh, we have a responsibility to do. But I thought in the um, session this morning, the controllers of the various programs kind of made the point that that's what we do. Uh, and it's not only what we do, but it's uh, enshrined in a mandate. Given that TV Pay was in the spotlight this morning, what do you think about Vice and some of these companies and how they potentially uh, attract their employees? I mean, I totally applaud the uh, sentiment that um, the young shall be empowered and that you can't fake it and they need to shoot, make, cut, edit uh, their own shows. I don't know what Vice Pay, but um, I've heard rumours that it isn't uh, quite a living wage. Hi, I am Faraz Osman. I am the Managing Director of Indie Lemonade Money. What I would like to see, and I didn't really get a sense of this in the speech last night, is that I would like to see how Vice is supporting those 23-year-olds. There still takes a lot of directing talent that needs to be eked out, and we need to make sure that people are using all of this equipment properly. It's still expensive, and I think it's unfair to just kind of look for those people that have got those skills already. I would like to see a plan as to how we can make sure that as many young people as possible are being trained up in those situations, and then a further plan to make sure that we find them when they, are, when they do have those skills because I think that everybody benefits when you have people from different levels of experience making content because you're just going to get better and different ideas both from a visual point of view and from a narrative point of view. So Shane uh, Smith 
talked about this bloodbath and you also discussed uh, being young and, and making television. What, uh, what did you guys think, uh, Rod? You, uh, you, you sort of alluded to your sort of thoughts there about, uh, about the McTaggart. Well, the, I mean, there were a lot of themes and I didn't particularly think they hung together. Uh, I think it is true that, that there's, it's demonstrably true that there's a consolidation at play. Um, uh, so, fine. I'm not sure that it's particularly relevant to any other aspect of what he was talking about. I think the theme of trying to get young people more engaged in old media, as it were, is a, is a good one. I thought there was a bit of a danger of focusing on millennials to the exclusion of all other demographics. And the truth is, in the UK, the fastest growing demographic is over 60s. So it's right to say, let's target neglected audiences, but don't overcorrect. The idea of age, uh, Jane, has been a, a common issue here. Jay Hunt responding to the claims in the uh, in her session today, saying there's a danger that we uh, we might be focusing too much on on this youth folk. What what do you make of that? He's right. We we, we make a lot of programmes that are, I guess, aimed or certainly very popular amongst young younger audiences. You know, Hollyoaks, or The Only Way Is Essex, Gogglebox. Um, as some examples, it's super important to try and make programmes that appeal to all audiences, as Ron said. You can't run a business on any other basis. Um, I think we're getting very hung up on currently on trying to sort a problem that I think it suits some of these newer platforms to declare exists, and I'm not entirely sure that it does in the way that they describe it. I mean, I think the way people watch television is almost more relevant than what they are watching. And we have sort of lost, we haven't talked a lot about devices and behavior recently. We seem to be talking about content. Actually, content, I think, is is in a good place in terms of its, its appeal to younger audiences. You look at the numbers, you can see that. It's the way people watch it on the platforms they're watching it on that are changing, and actually it's more threatening to the distributor and to the broadcaster than it is to the producer. So from my perspective as a producer, I think, I think we're okay. This is somebody who has gone on a journey from print to online and into television. And so for that alone, it was an interesting perspective uh, to listen to it, right or wrong, agree with it or disagree with it, in that there probably hasn't been a McTaggart speaker that has been such a late arrival into the world of TV with such a sort of disruptor's perspective. He's also talking a lot about the American market. I think that if you look at the UK market, you know, the BBC Three have been making documentaries aimed at young people you know, for a very long time uh, and so I think his sort of his view was sort of slightly coloured it's interesting that when he showed the clips and Kevin Liger was mentioning this morning he was in them all um, which, is, which was quite funny but they were quite traditional in how they were made and they actually did feel much more UK of factual pieces than they did American factual pieces you know the, the, the subjects that he was talking about are you know are covered in the UK I think far more National Geographic for instance has been making those sort of you know innovative documentaries for a very very long time and you know talks about climate change and all those sort of pieces so it's, it's not it's not all of a sudden there's you know, a light gone on I think sometimes it's about directing people to those programs and maybe those audiences don't know those programs are on on uncertain channels because it's, there's just so much noise and so many other things to see the branding is fantastic mm. and the positioning um, he said at one stage today that it, you have to be small to be cool but perversely actually they've become very big and I think he would argue they're still really cool so um, I think the challenge maybe is some of this is around branding uh, marketing 
and making making the platform look as cool as he's managed to do, which is phenomenal, by the way. Um, the mystery of how the business model works is perhaps something that is still not entirely transparent. Um, and as business people, I think we'd all love to get our teeth into that. There was no way he was answering those questions in the session today, that's for sure. Not especially after he got lost in a whiskey bottle. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Jay took him to task for seemingly telling British t- uh, producers who've been doing this for a long time um, about the value of these things. Uh, and she actually seemed to get some sort of some answers out of, of Shane. That this was a, aimed more at an American audience than perhaps British producers. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the, the, the bit we maybe still don't entirely understand. He said he was in Britain to try to appeal to British producers. He wants more content for Viceland in particular. Um, the rights package she then got into, she tried to work out economically what that might look like to a British producer. I, I think that bit is, is intriguing. Um, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. As I say, I think British producers are people who make fabulous creative content, but at the end of the day, they have to make a business work as well. So, so that second piece, I think, will be, will be interesting. If this acquisition bloodbath happens, uh, Jeff, do you think it will have a, an effect in the UK? He's talking about large-scale media consolidation. Well, we've been, we've been living with large-scale media uh, issues like that for a very, very long time. It's so we're not, used to it. We can we're, deal we're, with it. I mean, we are used to it. I mean, and, and you know, one day it's E1, you know, an ITV, and the next day it's not. You know, so there will always be consolidation. And I think, you know, there has been over the last 25 years. It's probably just, again, those global media giants coming together is something that will obviously change the dynamic, I think, you know, across the globe. And, because they are so powerful. I mean, I, I mean, I work for I work for one, uh, so I, I, and, I, and I know their their reach is long. But there's also is at the heart of what they do is all about content, and uh, and it's refreshing. I mean, I don't know if any of you saw the Peter Rice. Uh, session um, with Brian Singer today. It was just wonderful because what it was all about was about a TV executive and a, and a content creator coming together to talk about how can we work, how can we get it right, how can we do things. And the, the one great thing they said is you need to have your vision set out right from the beginning. So you've got to agree on what do you both want. And it was just so refreshing. And I think actually a lot of people have just sort of said it was refreshing. It was really good to hear people at that level just talking about some of the sort of the simple stuff that you've got to get right before you before you go on this long journey spending seventy five million dollars on a movie. I, I agree, and I think I think um, one of the uh, good themes of this Edinburgh so far has been that getting back to basics and focusing on content. For example, hearing from Ben Stevenson at the drama session today about his experience of now working in LA for Bad Robot, having come from head of drama at BBC, and the different things you have to do to put a pitch together, and what works and what doesn't, and the, the reticence of the British kind of temperament in pitching versus the kind of upfrontness of the American psyche. They're all really interesting sort of themes at a level of detail that's actually in a way much more interesting day to day than whether Megacore has bought Global Inc. Moving on from Vice, we've now been joined by uh, broadcast editor Chris Curtis. Hello, Peter. What's your experience in the last 24 hours in Edinburgh? How have you found things? What are the, the things other than uh, Vice and Shane Smith that are, are dominating the, uh, the chat? Uh, very little is the answer. Inevitably, if you book Vice, then the debate becomes, can traditional TV companies reach young audiences or, or how effective are they in, in, in doing so? I think that a lot of what Shane said uh, left people a bit cold, but there still must be, I'm sure, a debate about the industry doing a better job of engaging young viewers and 
you look at development teams and you look at um, ideas coming through and I can't believe there isn't scope somewhere in the mix for a, a bit more uh, youthful uh, zest in that. It's been a less political Edinburgh, there hasn't been the, the, the political hot potato. I think Channel 4 are pretty, pretty grumpy that they're still no clearer on um, their, their future and potential privatisation or, or, or not. There have been good sessions. The leaders' debate was a, an exercise in um, uniformity, an exercise in, uh, a, a, in everyone singing from the same hymn sheet, despite their obvious rivalries. We, we're yet to have a really super uh, explosive or spiky session, and that's why I think Shane rubbing most of the TV industry slightly up the wrong way is, is kind of what people are discussing. There's another truth of the moment that we're in at the moment, which is almost we've never had it so good in the sense that the BBC's uh, settlement uh, has been done politically, although they may not have as much money as they'd like, there's, there's enough. ITV is wealthy, uh, possibly more for the past than um, current performance, but it's uh, still got plenty in, in the bank. Channel 4 is doing well, Channel 5 is doing well, Sky's doing well. So actually there is a moment where you have to kind of really search quite hard to go uh, find the victim in, in, uh, in, this, uh, in this plot. And you mentioned Channel 4 there. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of talk, um, obviously, Parliament's in recess, but Matt Hancock has been up here and, and been saying a, a couple of words about, uh, about that. Do we think that uh, Channel 4, we're any clearer on the future of Channel 4, Jane? No, I don't think we are. I mean, we, we as, I think, if not their biggest supplier, one of their biggest suppliers, as a huge, I mean, we, we care hugely that Channel 4 remains the innovative, um, risk-taking broadcaster that it has been, and... I very much hope continues to be so any change to ownership any change to its status its business model that has in any way endangers that is is not a good thing I think for the public and for the production community actually um, yeah, yeah I was I, did, I, I second that obviously I think the thing is it's we always tend to look at it from a production point of view but as you said right at the end there it's also about the audience and yeah. and I think it, 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 it has I mean even for the and I, when I worked there and, and Rod worked there we, I mean Channel 4 does have and did have a, a, a place in everybody's heart and I think it I think it's probably still does I'm not sure if that's through rose tinted glasses but I, th I think it does offer something that is that is always different and always edgy and always challenging and I think audiences I think audiences do appreciate and again it's that it's that whole brand thing which you know we were talking about slightly other with the, with the vice is that is that there are a lot of these shows out there it's just trying to find it now is hard and, and therefore that that's why branding and merchandising and sorry, uh, marketing sorry is so so strong and let's well, face it, it it's the original youth <clears throat> brand isn't it i mean we talk about youth and we talk about reaching younger audience i mean just let's look back at the history of channel 4 it built its business it built its reputation in taking risks and appealing to younger audiences and i think we sort of forget that at our peril and I, and I still think they play an enormously important role in that regard i know i know their audience has probably got older but nonetheless they still have a position that is about risk-taking in that way and, and risk-taking isn't simply the preserve of young audiences so i was in a, a factual session uh, earlier with some really great clips from across the across the board all the broadcasters um uh, and uh two four and wall to wall but both showed uh, all, all showed um interesting clips and Channel 4's clip that Ralph Lee played was uh, uh, a doc called Tavistock about um, a institution that deals with um, mental health issues and uh, with children's mental health issues and there was a young girl seven or eight year old girl uh, in this clip who had been born a boy and she was struggling to come to terms with being transgender and they were discussing with her this is all in the context of a you know a one minute 
clip discussing with her her potentially beginning to take female hormones life-changing stuff and at the clip finished and at the end of it there was a collective intake of breath from from the audience now that, that wasn't a youth skewing show and it wasn't a sexy or exciting show it was a, it was edgy and it felt different and so i find it hard to believe that a commercial broadcaster would find the a purely commercial broadcaster would be inclined to order that kind of content um, to go out in the way that, that Channel 4 does. And similarly in terms of commissioning they, they've ordered a, or they are going on a, an adventure mutiny on the bounty they're recreating that from, from Windfall Films which sounds very risky if not just the act of trying to recreate it. The Bisexual from, from Jane Featherstone which was a, a really new writer. Uh, Derry Girls from Caroline Leddy in uh, Northern Irish drama. It does feel like some of that risk-taking is still happening despite what, what's going on. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've, we've, you know, with the amount of chat about Naked Attraction, for example, which we produce for them, uh, completely, they, are, they celebrate, I think, um, the taking of the risk and they accept, I believe, that that doesn't necessarily mean that it always works, of course, because that's what comes with risk, um, failure as well as success. So I think... Gracious, we we are big supporters as a population of this channel. We have grown to love it, and I think as suppliers to it, of course, um, it has a hugely important role to play. And then slightly separately, um, talent pay has been a, a big issue while we we've been up here. Um, Charlotte Moore responding to the suggestion that that the BBC should um, publish all of the uh, stars that it pays and and how much over five hundred thousand pounds. Who said? It, could have an impact on programming. As a producer, Rod, do you do you agree if, if you publish those fees, it would actually impact on, on programming? I think it would a bit, uh, but I think the, the main point about the raising of the issue is that it's, it's really irrelevant from a public purpose perspective. It's like the salaries of, of footballers and, and so on. They don't make much sense in an ordinary walk of life, but these are not ordinary people. They're, they're, they're people who are able to, in our cases, to do with talent, shift audiences to programs and make big, uh, larger-than-life entertainment experiences. So, of course, when you, when you reward somebody something reproaching their market value, uh, it seems nonsensical to uh, anybody else. But the, there's, there's no more relevance to Jonathan Ross or Gary Lineker's pay to compare that to the Prime Minister or anybody else as, as there is of a footballers and yeah. it's just nonsensical. I agree, it's a sort of, it's today's headline and tomorrow's chip paper isn't it as they, as people used to say again I'm going back, back in time again uh, it's a diversion and I think that's, that's I don't think it's important really in the scheme of things And we're still waiting to, to hear from Kevin Ligo, he's going to give the sort of first public address um, about his plans for, for ITV uh, this afternoon Are we expecting much? Are we expecting a, a revamped ITV Jane? Look, I, we hope they're going to start spending more money. There's some new commissions coming. I'm hopeful that when Polly Hill arrives, that will mean that there'll be a, a new drama slate. Uh, as a viewer, I think, of course, because I would partly say this as a supplier, we'd like to see some new titles and not just from their beloved ITV studios. So um, hopefully, I, I very much hope so. I think Kevin, being Kevin, is competitive. He's desperately keen to to increase the ratings, and so he will be taking some decisions fast and I would think big ones he's courageous he's brought a new team in they're not being paid just to sit there and continue to commission the same shows on a returning series basis are they let's face it so stuff will happen um, and knowing Kevin it will be 
it will be exciting. As a supplier, as a third-party supplier, are you concerned or is there still a concern that ITV Studios is becoming the main supplier of, of I, ITV? My theory is he cares most about the performance of the channel. That is the job he is there to do. He is super competitive. And so although I'm sure he will look to his studio partners, of course, I, I believe he'll choose the best programme. I really do. And he'll tell you that. And I think that's right. That has to be right. And what about some of the other channels, Rod? Uh, Channel 5 announced they were doing some natural history series, which is, is quite interesting, branching out and under Ben's new, uh, well, relatively new regime. What do you, uh, what do you think of, of Channel 5 and how they're positioning that? Astonished. <laughs> but uh, original natural history is a very, very expensive game. Um, uh, acquired or uh, co-produced natural history can be very popular, of course, and so um, there's, there's some sense of that. And I guess... For Channel 5, the challenge is to uh, move their brand um, sort of on an upward trajectory in terms of demographic and sort of general perception. Um, uh, and, th- and that takes time. And they've got to do it without losing their, uh, their core audience, which is, is pretty significant. And um, they've done very well on their budgets to, to attract. So I, I can... It feels like a Ben treads that balancing exercise um, with quite a lot of skill, but remains frustrated a little bit that the, the brand perception of Channel 5 doesn't actually follow the programming always. And Jeff, you've, uh, you've had the Walking Dead producer here, uh, Galen Hurd, and some of the talent uh, there. Uh, both Jane and Ron uh, mentioned drama. Um, you have recently said you are sort of moving into original European drama. Is, is drama something that, that, that we're going to be talking about? You know, the drama gold rush? Is, it, is, is there still a drama gold rush? Well, everybody seems to be making drama still, and, the, uh, and it's, it's something that I don't think is going to go over the next couple of years, I, 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 I don't think. I mean, yes, we are actually going to start commissioning drama for, for our European and African channels. Uh, actually, Jeff can announce today that one of those dramas <laughs> is going to be our very good submission to him, that uh, he's uh, still uh, Is he gone into another waiting. world again? Is he gone, is he, is he, is he, is, where's Nurse the Screens, quickly? <laughs> he's pitching got, he's, live on radio. He's pitching Take, live on, yeah. Is Take the opportunity <laughs> now, Jeff. Be brave and okay, bold Jane, and innovative. Can we? Should we announce ours? Should we announce ours? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no. So we are. No. We. we, we I'm, I'm. I'm hoping we're, we're going to get into a position very soon where we, where we'll be able to make some uh, some decisions because. At the, end, at the end of the day, it's all great to be able to say, yes, we've put things into further development. But until you point at something and say, look, there it is, that's the thing that we are making, I, I think we need to be in that position. So it's all well and good to be able to say we're going to. But when we, I can say we are, uh, I, I feel in a much better position. But hopefully that's not going to be that, that long away. Have we not hit peak TV in, in, in drama, uh, Jane? There's over 500 shows, uh, scripted shows on air in, in the United States and, and certainly many in the UK. Are, are we not getting to a point where there's too much for the audience? No, I don't think so. I mean, people say that. They talk about bubbles, don't they? And, and, and have, we, have we got to the top of the, and can only go backwards? No, we see no evidence to that effect. Uh, I think the, global, the, the globalisation, I mean, what the phenomenon that are driving, the phenomena that are driving this, I guess, is the globalisation of, of drama. So you can sell it, you continue to sell it, and English language is very helpful in that regard. Um, I think co-production models, you know, the tax breaks, all the stuff we've heard before continue to be extremely relevant in terms of the business model. And um, we've got some very, very good talent in this country. So 
why would we assume it's going to go backwards? We're not, we're not complacent, incidentally, but we keep a pretty close eye on it. We continue to develop. We've got stupendous writers and, and directors and producers and obviously cast. We're in a really, really good place, I think. I'm talking about the UK, but from a global perspective. I mean, I think they're um, interesting of, of, of remakes and obviously America are doing a lot of those if it's X-Files or, or Lethal Weapon. And, and in the, obviously we just saw today where we, the four comedies or five comedies that are, that are coming on, a, on, a, on the special event, uh, that are all being re, you know, re, retooled. Or, uh, and I, I so it's, a, it's, you know, people say, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, bad, it's a bad thing. But actually in, in the American market, they, they love it because it's something you can, you know, there's still high budget, there's still inventive stories. And they're actually just sort of saying, these are good shows it's just and they can market them <laughs> and it's easy to market so yes. you can actually sell it to Netflix and you, you know and it's quite an easy win because everybody knows what X-Files is oh yeah got that fine tick um, I'm not so sure on are you being served it will you know perhaps do the same thing as X-Files but um, I'm looking forward to seeing Mr. Rumbold there's plenty of Americans here uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, Edinburgh has, has found itself with more of the, the big name American producers and, and talent uh, do you think that is, is a good thing Jeff? I, mean, I think it is. I, I think you know we, we, you don't want to sort of just live in you know in your own sphere. You, you've got to look outside what other people are doing, and the same as Americans look at the UK and what and what we're doing. But I think Edinburgh's really been it's been really positive to have those game changers come over the last couple of years. And uh, you know if, if if it's all the way through, we had you know uh, last last year I think it was the, the first year that they decided that. And uh, this year we had I sat next actually last night I sat next to Bruno Heller who who created the Mentalist. And uh, and Gotham, and it was actually, and he's a Brit, and I and I actually I didn't even know that, uh, which was you know which I really should have, but it was just to sit and listen to him to talk about how he did stuff, and and it was just so interesting, and also just again you just think, yeah, do you know what? I know why now I was, you know wanted to be in TV when I was a kid, and and it, it does just fill you with that same enthusiasm uh, uh, that I did I, I had you know 40 years ago when I first came into the industry, and you just think that's what that's what TV's about, and that's what these talented people can do is is get just they just so clever and to engage you and to actually excite you a renewed sense for you as well rod i i share that general a good feeling about um the whole the whole industry at the moment and the and the um festival in particular and similarly uh we were talking about ben stevenson earlier and the and and his him sharing his very recent experience of transitioning from UK to US and really very positive about both but uh, really comfortable in in his new milieu recognizing the differences he was uh, suggesting that he'd kind of immersed himself in almost like a pitching course uh, to kind of get under the skin of how Americans do it and um, you know getting refreshed out of it so it's it's good to uh, for everybody to kind of learn new tricks and TV's in a good place, Jane, by the sounds of all of this. Yeah, well, you know me. I'm, I'm, I'm always the optimist. I mean, I think, so for me, I guess the three things are, um, I think the disruptive nature of some of these new entrants, like the vices, is a good thing. Because I think, you know, in, in, in a sort of way, the, the strong will always prevail and change is good. Um, I think the investment piece we touched on earlier is extremely exciting because I mean more money into this business is always going to be good and it does involve change but I think again I think change is good I I think who would have thought we'd be sitting here and thinking that Apple might end up buying production companies or you know investment coming in from China into European operations or whatever it might be but the point is I think that's a good thing Um, and I think the other point is you know we just get more and more global and more and more global 
is is good. Um, so your drama question of earlier, I think I am optimistic because I think that the the market gets bigger as we get cleverer in the way we produce. And I think we're you know I'm I'm really British about this, not to the point of being parochial, but I think we are particularly good at what we do, and our businesses are now so global. Our our business is global. These businesses are global. Uh, final word, uh, Chris. Uh, how does this stack up to recent Edinburghs? I think it was a good target in the sense that it's got people speaking. You, you know, people have a view on it. Everyone's got something to. to to share and I think probably echoing it's, it's a bit like the leaders debate this podcast uh, we're all we're all, we're all agreeing with one another but um, you know Andy Wilman's been here talking about the, the grand tour and James talking about the the way that investments coming in and creative ambitions being ramped up it strikes me that probably the way the Amazon guys uh, attracted the former Top Gear guys is said you know all those things that you couldn't quite do because the budget wasn't big enough well, guess what? The budget's big enough. And I think there's something quite exciting about that. doesn't mean that every single piece of TV needs to be vast and epic and, and, and on huge scale, but it is pretty exciting to have a sense that creative opportunities for a lot of people that are here have potentially never been greater. Wonderful. And on that note, um, thank you very much to our guests, Jane, Jeff, Rod and Chris. I'm Peter White. The producer is Matt Hill. Thank you for listening. Have a safe trip back and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.